Well, good morning, Restoration Church, and welcome to our online worship service. I am excited that you have chosen to worship with us in this way. I know this last week, things have changed once again, uh, but I'm excited that we can still have this opportunity to be unified and worshiping together uh, through Facebook, and so thank you so much for joining us. You know, when I was growing up, a couple things about me, I loved kids, I loved sports, and my favorite subject in school was history. So I had this idea that when I grew up, I was going to be a history teacher and I was going to coach some sort of sports of some capacity. Well, obviously, life took me in a different route, but I still love history. In fact, a little while ago, I read a biography about a guy by the name of Augustine, who was a theologian, an important theologian way back in the fourth century. And one of the quotes that I wrote down from this biography, this is what Augustine said. He said, Lord, grant me the ability to know myself so I can know you. And I think this quote, it resonated with me, with me about this idea of being self-aware, of having a self-awareness. You see, most of us, we have this rose-colored glasses for how we view ourselves, where we think ourselves, well, I'm mostly a good person. I'm not that bad. I compare myself with someone else and say, well, I'm better than them. So we have this idea that we're not that bad of a person. But there's something that happens when we know ourselves, when we are self-aware of our strengths, of our weaknesses, of our good and our bad, because it's when we truly know who we are. It gives us the ability to know God, gives us the ability to grow and improve and recognize the areas we need to grow in. In fact, have any of you ever taken the Enneagram assessment? If you're not familiar with the Enneagram, it's a personality profile uh, assessment, uh, similar to maybe a DISC assessment or the Briggs and Myers assessment. I was in this uh, pastoral leadership cohort and they had us take the Enneagram and I found out I am a number seven, which means surprisingly, I'm a joyful person. I haven't read enough about what this means, but I enjoyed finding out what I am. See, for me, I like taking these personality profiles because they're not an exact science, absolutely, but they are helpful to understand maybe how you're wired, maybe some of your strengths, maybe some of the, the pitfalls that you might face depending on your personality. You see, this idea of being self-aware is important to us. It's, it's important to us to evaluate where we are important to evaluate, are we doing good? Are we doing bad? How's our marriage? How's our faith? How are these different things? And as we evaluate and become self-aware of where we are, it gives us the ability to, to change some areas, some areas we need to grow, some areas we need to prioritize, some areas we need to adjust in our lives. See, over the summer, we've been in a series in John chapter 13 through 17, uh, where Jesus is spending the last couple of hours with his disciples before he's going to get arrested and go off to give his life as a ransom for us. Last week, we started in John chapter 15, where Jesus and the disciples, they've left the upper room and they're going on a walk. And as they're on a walk, they pass this vineyard. And Jesus stops and says, listen, this vineyard is a picture of us. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And as a branch, your job is to produce fruit. And then he said something outrageous. He said, here's the truth, that apart from Christ, us as the branches, we cannot produce fruit. That for us to, to make our life matter, for us to, to do fruit that, to provide fruit that, that glorifies God, the only way we can do that is if we abide in him, if we rest in him, if we depend on him, not in our own strength, but fully in him. And today, today our text 
it should be a challenge to us as a Christian. It should be a challenge to us to really take a assessment of our faith, to be self-aware. And we have to ask ourselves today, are we producing the fruit that Jesus asks of us? Are we living out our faith in the world around us in the way that Jesus would expect of us? Because I think if we would be open, if we would be honest today, we're going to be challenged. And when those times that we have that self-assessment, when we can figure out where we truly are, those are the opportunities for us to face a breakthrough. Today could be an opportunity for us to transform our relationship with Jesus. So we're in John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 9. And here's what Jesus says. He says, As the Father have loved me, so I love you. And now I'm telling you, I want you to abide in my love. And see, Jesus, last week, he brought out this word abide, and now he's bringing this word abide back. But now he says, I want you to abide in my love. And again, for us to understand what it means to abide, it means for us to rest in, to, to make our home in, to, to center ourselves on this. It's not so much what we are doing for God, it's more so us resting in what God has done for us. This is what it means to abide. In fact, this may, this may be the, the hardest thing about Christianity, is this idea that, that God's acceptance of us is not a reward for the things that we have done. I mean, our world, we have this mentality that we think the more we do, the more accepted we are. The, the better we are, the more that God would love us. And the gospel in Christianity is so completely countercultural to that, that. That Jesus says our acceptance and the love of God is not based on what we've done. It is a gift from him. Though we don't stand before God saying, look at all I've done for you. You have to love me now. No, we stand before God because of what Jesus has done in our place. And see, this idea of resting in the love of God, it's the key to our faith. Sometimes we think the gospel is just for our salvation. And then once we become a Christian, then we move on to deeper things. But that's not the way it works. The gospel is a key to our faith. It's a key to our maturity. It's a key to our growth. That when we are resting in the love of God, when we make our home in the love of God, that we begin to, to change. That we don't obey God because we're trying to earn his approval. We don't obey God because we want him to love us. It's actually when we receive that love that begins to change us. It changes our heart. And we begin to change where no longer are we obeying God out of trying to earn his approval. We're obeying God out of the love we have for him. Out of the amazing grace he has shown to us. And so this is a key to our faith. It deals with the motivation. It deals with our motivation. We have got to learn to abide in the love of God because that is where growth and maturity is found. But look what Jesus says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, if you're listening today, you might ask a question. You might say, well, okay, pastor, you just said that the key to our faith, is abiding in the love of God and not keeping His commandments. But didn't Jesus just say that abiding in Him is conditional on us keeping His commandments? Isn't that what verse 10 says? I'm going to be clear, that's not what verse 10 says. 
Jesus is not saying that my love is a reward to you for keeping my commandments. He says, when you grow in your love for me, that is when you will obey my commands. Love comes first. Obedience is response to love and not the other way around. Let me, let me try and paint a picture for you like this. My wife, Samantha, is amazing. She's amazing. She doesn't like the limelight. She hates when I draw attention to her. But I'll tell you what, she is the greatest gift to me outside of my salvation. She's amazing. Now, when, I, when we got married, my wife, she thought I was an animal. Literally, she thought I was an animal. When I grew up, whenever you get the ranch out or the ketchup, you would just pour your ketchup and close the lid and be done with it. And I remember the first time I did this, my wife looks at me and says, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting some ketchup. And she goes, no, you're doing it wrong. Because for her, you have to take, uh, when you pour your ketchup on the fries, you have to take a napkin and clean the top of that lid. And then you close it and then you can put away. And so over the course of nearly 20 years, she's trained me. And I've grown in this. And I think I do better than I once did. But you know what? Not once in our marriage, not once did I pour my, my ketchup for my fries, not once did I think, you know what? Right now, I just don't think that I, I feel love for Samantha. You know, she's stressed out and that stresses me out. And, and man, what can I do to, to jumpstart my love for her? I know. I'll wipe the top off of the ketchup bottle and then that'll make me love her. Now, that's not the way it works. That's, that's ridiculous. You see, what happens is when I abide in her love, when, when, when I abide in her love, it is my love that causes me to wipe off the top of that bottle. Top, wiping off the top of the bottle, it doesn't make her love me. It doesn't make me love her. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's not that our, we keep his commandments out of duty, out of trying to earn his love and trying to, to love him. But those things are in response to us being overwhelmed and receiving his love. In fact, Jesus continues this idea in verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Listen, I love that quote. And I've tried to use that with my friends. For some reason, it just doesn't quite work for me. But it worked for Jesus. And it says in verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. Servants don't know what their master is doing. But I have called you friends. All you have heard from the Father I have made known to you. You see, a servant a servant is, isn't invited to the table. They don't have this close relationship with the master. They obey because they have to. But a friend, a friend is different. A friend is invited to the table. A friend has this close relationship. They know what's going on. And a friend, they obey not because they have to. They obey because they want to. There's a huge difference in that motivation. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to say, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. And if you abide in my love, you will obey my commands. And this is what we ask, well, what commands is he talking about? What are the commands that God expects us to live? And I'm glad you asked that question because he answers it in verse 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, then he laid down his life for his friends. See, if we look at this word love, and we saw it as a noun. If we saw it as a noun, we would say love is a uh, feeling. It feels good. It, it's, maybe, maybe it's defined as a benevolent concern for another person. It's a term of endearment. 
If love is a noun, we could sit back and we could talk about it, we can analyze it. But love here is a verb, it's not a noun, it's a verb, which means it requires action. It means we have to, to do something in order to love. And specifically, Jesus says, you love as I have loved you, which means we love to the point that it costs us something. It's not easy. Which means that we even love to the point that we have to give our lives away for other people. If we love like Jesus, that means that we don't, we don't choose who we love. We don't choose those who are easy and those who agree with us. That we love even our enemies. We love those who are undeserving. We love those who have different views and would be contrary to us. Man, this, this idea of love, it is so huge for us as Christians. It's so huge in our faith. Love is what shows the state of our faith. It shows how mature we are in Christ. I mean, we have all these ideas of what maturity is, right? Going to church, reading the Bible, doing good things. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls to do. Look, I'm a good Christian. I've got good theology. I've got the right beliefs. Listen, but that's not the way that Scripture portrays it. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 uh, Paul says in verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, which means that would put them in the top 1% of the spiritually gifted people in the church. Verse 2, he says, If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and knowledge, which means you understand all there is about Christianity, you are a theologian, you've been to seminary, you've got degrees on the wall. He says, If I have all faith as to move heaven, which means I can pray or to move mountains, which means I can pray heaven down. I pray and, and there's a, a power to my prayers. He says in verse 3, If I give all of my possessions away and I give my body to be burned. Like I don't think our sacrifice can be any more radical than that. But what Paul says is if I, ha if I have all of those things, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Which means all of those things are worthless if we are not characterized by love. In fact, what Jesus said last week is if we have all these things that are not rooted in him, that, that our works can be thrown into the fire and burned away and our lives can matter for nothing. Even though we've tried to live for God, if it's not rooted in love, it's not abiding in his love, our lives could count for nothing. Listen, our life won't matter if, for the kingdom of God if we're not producing the fruit that God asks us to, fruit, to produce. And that is love one another. And Jesus closes this whole section of scripture and he ties this whole conversation about the vine and the branches and abiding. He ties it into love. He says in verse 17, this is what I command, that you love one another. And here's Here's, I think, what this means for us today, Restoration Church, for those of us listening online today. When we take an opportunity to evaluate ourselves, to evaluate our faith, to assess how are we doing in my relationship with God? How am I doing as a Christian? How am I doing pursuing God and having maturity and growth? We need to understand this, that is the love of others, that is the evidence that the gospel has taken root and that we are abiding and growing in our faith. It is the love of others that is the evidence of where we are with our God. 
That all those other things, all those other things that we do, the obeying the rules and, and, and going to church and doing those things, I mean, those things are good. Those things are good. But if we have truly received the love of God through Jesus, if we are abiding in what he has done for us, that the love, that, that love of others is the core of who we are, that the love of others is what we are going to be defined by, what we will be known by. It is so huge for us to understand this. It is huge for us to hear this today. And here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do in response to that. If that is true, if that is true, if the love of others is the evidence that we are growing in our faith, that we are mature, I'm going to ask you to do two things today. Number one, one for today and one of these for this week. Number one, today, I want you to evaluate and assess the fruit of your faith. Evaluate what you believe makes you mature and where your standing is with God. It's based in love. We're going to have this conversation and ask you to assess how much love is actually in your life. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about this general love. I, want to, I don't want us to assume the best about ourselves. I want us to be very specific. I don't want us to think about the past four months over the season of COVID. Because during the season of quarantine and all we've dealt with the last couple of months, it's easy for us to become jaded. Let me tell you, for me, we are four months into this thing. We're four and a half months into this thing. And I can't tell you how often I've been discouraged through this. I mean, everywhere you go, there's just so much happening. Things are constantly changing. You, you, you look and there are easily qualified experts who one expert says this and another easy, equally qualified expert says the complete opposite thing about how we're going to fix this thing. You've got politicians that have hijacked this issue and turned it into a political issue. You go onto social media and everyone is an expert. And if you don't agree with how they view it, then you are against them. There's so much division in our world, in our city, in our community because of this issue. And not only there is there stuff out there, inside I feel the weight of trying to lead our church. I feel the weight of trying to lead my, my family. I feel the weight of what our kids are going to do for school this fall. I feel the weight of the financial pressures that we're dealing with because of where our economy is. And I'll be honest, it's easy for me to feel a little bit jaded right now. It's easy for me to begin to dismiss people, to have snarky responses, and maybe even to criticize others. And so what I want to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions all about love. And these are ways that Jesus loved other people through the Gospels. I'm going to ask you some questions based on how Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to think about your life and think about, is this true of me? And I only want you to think about the past four months evaluate, are you showing love to the world around you over the past four months in the middle of this COVID stuff? Listen, you don't have to be out loud and give answers to this. I want this just between you and God, because I want you to be able to be honest and have this genuine, honest self-evaluation. How am I doing? Am I showing love to the world around me? We see in the, the Gospels, number one, we see in the Gospels that Jesus was compassionate and he met the needs of those who were in need and, and, and he healed the sick. So I wanna ask you, have you met the needs of the sick or those that are struggling financially? And the gospels, we see that Jesus befriended and shared meals with notorious sinners, bad people. 
So have you shared a meal? Or have you had a meaningful conversation and not just about the pandemic with an unsaved sinner, with someone who is notorious? In the Gospels, Jesus forgave those who offended him. Jesus forgave those who violated his right to life and he prayed for them. So what about you? Have you forgiven someone who hurt you? Have you passionately prayed for that person and not just that God would smack them on the side of their head? Have you prayed for their good and for their benefit? Paul says love is patient. So let me ask you, have you been patient or have you been short with those people who press your buttons? Paul says love is kind. Have you been kind or have you been indifferent to those that are less fortunate around you? And maybe take that even farther, have you even noticed those people? Paul says, love does not envy, love does not boast. Have you been envious of someone else during the season of quarantine? Or maybe have you boasted about how good you have it? Paul says, love is not arrogant. Have you been arrogant? over how your, your belief is right, your conviction is the right way? Or have you been gracious to those who see things differently than you? Let me, let me ask you this. On your social media account, have you been arrogant about your response to COVID or have you been gracious to those who view things differently than you? Paul says, love is not rude. Listen, let me ask you this. Behind closed doors, have you talked rudely? Have you been mean in your, in your conversations about someone who says you were wrong, someone who believes differently than you? Or have you spoke about them in a gentle way? See, this could go on and on and on. And honestly, most of us, we, we have this idea and most of us would say, well, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not, I'm not out getting drunk every night. I'm not beating my kids. I'm not gambling away my future. But those are not the things that Jesus asks for. Are we loving as he loved us? Are we loving the world around us the way that he has loved? Because if we're going to be honest, for most of us, that's a gut punch. For most of us, man, I'll be honest for me, when I think about these past four months, man, I have snapped and been short with my wife and my kids. I have failed to act, and maybe it's more so I failed to notice the hurting and the suffering around me. Listen, how are you doing in actually showing love to those around you, and not just the people that agree with you, not just the people that are easy, but the people that are hard, that are difficult, that view things completely different than you? Would they say that you are known by your arrogance and your conviction, or are you known by your love? It's such a gut punch to me. This is why we need this self-awareness. We need this self-awareness where we can say, man, this is where I'm at. This is an area I need my faith to grow. And now we come to the end of this message. And the, probably what you would expect is I'm going to say, hey, go and do. Go and love. Just try harder. But listen, if that's what you get out of this message, that you need to go and try harder to love the world around you, that I have failed as a communicator. I have failed as a pastor and a Bible teacher. Because what I've wanted you to see through this whole message 
It is that the key, the key to our faith is not doing more. The key to our faith is not trying harder. It's not us obeying because we are slaves and we want God to approve of us. The key to our faith, the key to us showing love is that we actually abide in the love of Jesus that we make our home and the gospel of God and the love of God for us. That we, we, we continually think about these things, about how God so loved us, that, that he sent Jesus to the cross in our place, in our place, that even though we fail again and again and again to love as we should, that Jesus went to the cross and he took our sins and our failures upon himself. And, and he, he gave us his righteousness. And he died in our place. And on the third day, he rose again. So that we could be right with him. Not because of what we've done. Not because of how we've obeyed. Not because of how goody we are. But because of what he's done in our place because of his love for us. See, it's when we learn to abide in that. It's when we allow ourselves to make our home in the gospel and the love of God for us. When we reflect on that, man, that is where transformation comes from. It transforms us. It changes our hearts. And no longer are we slaves where we are obeying God so he'll love us now. When we abide in that, it transforms our heart where we love him in return. And we obey him because of our love for him, because he calls us his friend. And the love to the world around us is a natural outflowing because of the love that we have received. That's where growth and maturity comes from. So the response today is not to go and do I'm not going to tell you, hey, here's seven ways for you to go and love the world around you. Here's how you love your family. That's not the message that we're going to share today. What I'm asking you to do this week, number one, was take this self-evaluation. And what I want you to do this week, number two, is I want you to abide in one chapter of Scripture. 1 John chapter 4. Every day. Every day I want you to read this chapter, 1 John chapter 4, every day this week. Read this chapter. It's all about knowing God through love. Listen, I know I know some of you, you have a consistent quiet time with God. Every day you're spending time reading his word and praying and, and, and abiding in him. And I love that. That is so good. But I also know there are many of you, man, where it's a struggle to have a consistent quiet time. It's a struggle to have consistency within that. So what I'm asking you to do this week is prioritize this idea of abiding in 1 John chapter 4 every day. Whether for you it's in the morning, it's at your lunch break, it's in the evening, every day. I want you to read this chapter. I want you to read it again and again and again. I want you to abide in 1 John chapter 4. And maybe sometime throughout this week, as you're reading this chapter, maybe for you, maybe you'll take some time and journal through how God is speaking to you through that. You'll journal through how you're experiencing the love of God through this study of this chapter. Maybe for you, you'll take a verse every day. As you read, there's a verse that'll pop out. You'll take the verse and you'll meditate on that verse throughout the day and think about how that verse applies to you and your life and your situation. Maybe for you, you're gonna find a verse and you're gonna memorize it. Maybe you're gonna choose to memorize the whole chapter. Listen, what I'm asking you to do 
as not to go and love the world and try and do these things. I'm asking you to abide in the love of God, to abide in this chapter, to abide in this chapter that's all about the love of God. And as you do, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying that love flows out of you. Not because you're trying so hard, not because you're trying to earn God's approval and you want him to bless you. But I'm going to be praying that love would flow out of you, out of you abiding in his love. That as you abide in his love, I'm praying that it will change the way you interact with your family. It'll change the way you interact in our community. It'll change the way you interact on social media. I'm praying that as a church, as we learn to abide in his love and as we practice this idea of abiding in 1 John chapter 4 this week, I am praying that we would love others as Jesus has loved us. Listen, wherever you are today, maybe you're looking and saying, man, I've nailed this. I love perfectly. If that's you, I'd love to spend some time with you because I could learn from you. But if you're like me and you do the self-assessment and you realize, man, I've got some room for growth. Listen, I'm going to challenge us just to abide in Christ this week. And I'm with you in that. So let me pray for us. God, I just want to thank you that you give us the ability to be self-aware, that we can be honest with where we are, that God, when we acknowledge, man, I'm not as loving as I wish I was, that God, you're not angry with us. You're not going to reject us. God, you are desperately saying, come to me, come to me, come to me, and let me change you. God, I pray that we would just have the, the transparency and the boldness just to be honest with where we are, that we'd have that self-awareness, that we take the rose-colored glasses off, just say, God, man, I'm not nearly as loving as I should be. God, I pray that you would convict us of those areas. God, I pray that you, as we begin in our minds to justify, well, I'm not loving to this person because of this or because of that. God, I pray that you would remove those justifications and allow us just to be broken before you. God, you're not afraid of our failures. God, you've already been to the cross to pay for every one of them, to redeem us for those. You've already stamped us and said, listen, I love you. I forgive you. So God, I pray that we would just be open with where we are and God, we want to be challenged this week to go and try harder to love people. God, I pray that you help us to understand that we are saved because we come to you and we receive your love. But God, we are also made mature. We're also growing our faith. We become more like you, not because we obey and we do these things, but because we abide in that love. So God, I pray, help us this week to abide in your love. God, I pray that we, every one of us listening, would make that commitment. To, to read 1 John chapter 4 every day. Read it a number of times, seven times, eight times, 10 times, 20 times, that we would just abide in your love. And God, I pray that you, as we abide in that, God, I pray that you would change our hearts. Again, we wouldn't even recognize, but you do something inside of us that we can't do in ourselves. God, I pray that you help us to be a people who love those around us the way that you've loved us. God, I, play, I pray for Restoration Church that we would be known not by our theology, not by our convictions, not by our sides, but we'd be known by our love. That, God, you would change the world around us through that. God, I'm so thankful that you love us. I'm so thankful that you love me. I just want to sit in that for a moment. 
the fact that you love me, the fact that you've seen me at my worst. You've seen my worst day, my worst moment, and you've still chosen to love me. It's because of that love, God, that I want to praise you right now. Because of that love, I just want to lift my hands up and thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your love and acceptance. God, you are so good. You are worthy of all of our praise. So I pray right now as we get ready to sing a song of of worship that, God, we would just be able to close our eyes and worship because you are worthy. God, we love you and we praise you. And we ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen.